enjoying soundtrack going so far? It's been really cool. It's my first time. It's my first time here, and uh, I've never been to Cologne before either. So um, uh, it's, it's a new city. Uh, a lot of new faces here. But it's always fun meeting new faces, and it's also um, seeing people in the industry who I admire. Uh, interestingly, Bruce Broughton is here, getting uh, an achievement, a lifetime achievement award this evening. And he actually taught me at University oh, yeah. of Southern California, and I hadn't seen him since I graduated. So I just saw him randomly sitting in the yeah. courtyard downstairs, and was like, "Oh, hi, Bruce. Do you remember me?" Uh, and he's like, "Not really." But uh, then, he, then I told him what I'd done, and since since graduating, it was really nice for him to say, "Oh, it's really always nice when students who I've taught have gone on to to actually do things in the industry." Yeah, we were speaking to Bruce earlier, actually. Yeah. So yeah, he's lovely. He, um, he is lovely, and he's a genius. Uh, yeah. He's, I, he's probably forgotten more about orchestration than I'll ever know. So. It's funny. Um, he was talking about his older projects. And so yes. Sometimes he watches TV shows or things and then realizes halfway through that actually he's written the music for them. And it's been, he's got such a vast library. That he's right. Got to that stage now where he doesn't always remember. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that that's a real legacy right there. If you, right there. Well, I mean, one of the things one of the things I've I've said to a lot of composers who have who've come up to me after panels and like and they're like, you know, what what can I do to um, you know to make more money or to get more recognition? I'm like, well, at the end of the day, you just have to write a lot of music. Um, I think I said it in my panel the other day. Ennio um, Morricone has done 600 films. We only know a handful of them. But the fact is, we know a handful of them, and he was able to do a really good job on and and get great profile with those films because he maybe not failed on the other films but it's always a learning process you just have to write a ton of music and Bruce has written a ton of music and it's amazing when you go through what you've done it's like you recognize all of these things you're like I had no idea that was Bruce Rotten right. so anyway back to you yes. <laughs> we're getting carried away there so you kind of started on mod DB that's yes. how you kind of came across the video game world and yeah. that Started your career really? Yes. Well, um, so back whenever I joined, uh, it was the time when I was a struggling composer and not making any money at all. Uh, I think I joined when I was a student at mm -hmm. University of Southern California, which is a master's degree program that I did. Yeah. It's, it's actually it's a diploma. I have to get that right. It wasn't a master's <laughs> degree, um, but. Uh, yeah, so I was, you know, planning for the future, and I, I signed up on a lot of game websites. Uh, for whatever reason, I got a bit of traction on ModDB, and I did did some music for some some mods, and I guess I just got noticed. But one of the mods ended up turning into Primal Carnage, the the dinosaur game that I wrote the soundtrack for, and then some of the other work that I'd done got the attention of Thomas Marler, um, who directed who directed Ori, and. Uh, this kind of was happening sort of simultaneously. I was working on Primal Carnage in like 2011, and Thomas also contacted me in 2011. Um, and it was just because I had I was active on there, and he, Thomas was, Moon Studios in general is good at looking for undiscovered, undiscovered people who you know they, they think are they think have some talent. Um, and, Fortunately for me, Thomas thought I had some talent. He'd listened to, he went to the profile on, on my profile page on ModDB and listened to a couple of tracks and liked what he heard. Um, and that was literally how I got the job. It's like, 
like luck totally yeah Yeah, i mean one could say it's luck but you also make your own luck because i had to make the profile in the first place and and, you know it could have been on another website um that he, he found me um but yeah like and because because of him finding me on the website, um, he uh, he offered me the chance to, to do the Ori prototype, and he said if uh, if uh, you do music for the prototype and the game gets picked up, uh, you can do the score for the game. Uh, I played the prototype; I thought it was amazing, so I agreed to do the music because I was obviously not getting paid for it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I knew it was I knew it was going to be a good game from the moment I picked it up. I was like, okay, I've got to do this. This is clearly could be something special. And well, I mean, here we are yeah. uh, in, in the future. But um, back to the Primal Carnage, like that game also came out, and I didn't get paid anything up front for it either. Um, but I got a good back end deal. Um, and uh, what year? We're in 2017. I'm still getting checks from it five five years. And this is for an indie game. Yeah. Like it's it's but it had a PC release initially, and then it got a console release a couple of years later. Right. Um, so it's like it it's been it's been the gift that's kept has kept on giving. <laughs> and it, but at the time when I signed up to do it, I was a student. I was like, well, I'm a student. I I, I don't I'm not in it for the money right now. I'm just like trying to build up a credit, yeah. and you know just just to be able to have to get something back from it. Um, you know, five years after the release. But of course, the real benefit of that was, of course, he's gone on to make another game. He went on to make Mean Greens, and he's about to start another project. And people I met on Primal Carnage, um, the one of uh, one of the people who made the game made a new company, and uh, they ended up doing the creatures for Ark Survival Evolved, which is how I got the Ark Survival Evolved gig. And one of the sound designers ended up moving to Insomniac Games, which is how I got the gig for the Unspoken working for Insomniac Games. It's you saw my panel, I did that that slide how everything's connected because of my initial sign up on WorldDB. One could say I owe almost all my gaming career to my profile page on WorldDB, yeah. uh, which is crazy, but that's just sometimes how it works. To be honest, I think it gives a lot of younger composers like us hope that if you just put have the courage to put yourself out there and just really fight to get that sort of attention. That's the key. You've you've got to lose the fear of putting your work out there. Like it is one of the hardest things to do because you are you are revealing yourself to to the world, um, and you've got to learn to get over that as quickly as possible. There is no shame ever in putting out anything. The key is actually just finishing work. It is so hard to finish a composition. Um, we've all got we've all got unfinished ideas on our hard drive. You've got to get into the discipline yeah. of finishing, even if you don't like it. That what finishing a track gives you is the ability to evaluate the work and work out where you can do better the next time you do a track. Um, so I think that's one thing I would just encourage, like people who are starting out, finish your work and then put it out there and sell it somewhere um, because you never know who's going to buy it and you never know who might really like it. And most of all, you never know who's going to be listening. Mentioned audio jungle and just trying to get music that you're not, you're maybe not as proud of, but you've got it there. You should try and get it to work for you. So get it kind of on music libraries and things. Yep, and and there's tracks on audio jungle which I didn't think would would pick up traction, and and they sell like crazy. Yeah. Like it's it's just it's just nuts. And I've built a substantial library in audio jungle, and it it brings in a substantial amount of money every month. Now. I will admit I got in early before it was so big, but there's always a new site to join. There's, the internet is vast and enormous, so there's always a new thing. You just kind of have to look and research, and then um, and then get get your music out there. Yeah, 
You mentioned art survival evolved and they're unspoken. Quite different, I would <laughs> say, from kind of composition point of view. Yes. So do you want to talk us through those and how you approached each of them? I'll do ARC first because it's a, it's a very uh, current issue because the version one is out on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, so uh, ARC's an early access title. Um, for the benefit of your listeners, I'll explain early access. So you're buying the game with the disclaimer that it is unfinished and it has been in early access for two years, um, just over two years. Um, so I've been working on it for that long. Um, but initially the music was just like a main theme and two, two combat tracks. Um, the approach for it, well, it's a game where you're stranded on an island with dinosaurs and you have to survive as long as possible. They really just wanted epic survival music. One thing they were quite clear on is they didn't want it to sound exactly like Jurassic Park, which I really appreciated because I don't want to try and have to emulate John Williams. But there's nothing worse than trying Right. Um, so they wanted it to be its own thing. Um, so I would say, if I was to brutally analyze my main theme for ARC, it's a bit more of a brute force thing rather than like a, a subtle nuance theme. It's very in your face, it's very direct, but the game is very in your face and direct too. So it kind of fits and and we're just trying to sell a sense of adventure. And the main theme was actually my pitch for the game as well. And that like so my pitch is actually what is in the main menu and what was in the first trailer. It's I think there's only like one note change from like it's just basically version 1.1 rather than version 2 which is kind of a miracle um i think i I was just lucky that i nailed the feel that they were looking for um but uh yeah my approach for that was just to take the theme and adapt it to different parts of the game that the island in the game has a lot of different biomes there's the the swamp there's the mountains there's a snow area there's caves and uh i just wanted to um, make sure that the game recognized those different areas, but I also wanted to have the same epic feel throughout. The one other thing I did, because um, it was a problem initially, we only had two combat loops and they were both really heavy. So you're f- potentially fighting a dodo and this really epic track comes in and it just doesn't work. Uh, and that was, that was the case for a long time. Um, now the music system, the music system is still pretty basic, but at the end of the day, I think people just want like, nice well-produced music because i can't the story is scripted by the community so you can't really like plan for like special moments so the the goal was really just to like give the player the feeling of oh my god this is awesome and that's that's why we ended up at abbey road recording with a 93-piece orchestra because it's like we're going to have the most epic version of this score possible that like when we were having the conversation about that they said how can we make this as epic as possible and I'm like, well if you're willing to go for it recording in the biggest room in the world with one of the best orchestras in the world it doesn't get much better than that for you guys and amazingly they said yes yeah. so um so the final result is that we've got about 120 minutes of music in the, in the full version of the game, which is all recorded with that gigantic orchestra. Um, and one of my favorite parts of the game is the end game because it is actually scripted. Uh, that you do have to follow a linear path to finish the game. It's quite hard to get there. You have to put in a lot of work to get there. I think only about 1%, if that, will actually get to the end of the game. But, but it's there and people, people just watch it on YouTube anyway. But, uh, um, but the end game I'm really proud of because it was like, finally I get to like control the experience a little bit musically. It's not so open and random. Um, and because it's the end game, it's also some of the last tracks I've written. So I've really established the tone. Yeah. But the, also the other little thing that the end game has given me is the ability to add a stronger sci-fi element to the music. 
based on the game's lore, which I won't spoil for anyone, um, but there is a sci-fi element in the game, um, and it just comes to light at the end of it. Um, and the final boss track is probably the track I'm most proud of. It's one of my favorite tracks I've ever written, and I include Ori in that, like, because, because it's uh, the track is 200 beats per minute, it's in 5-4, which is like really, really difficult to play. And I thought it was going to be difficult for the orchestra to play, but the version you hear in the game is version 2, take 2. Um, they just, I, told, I went out to the orchestra and said, this is going to be a real challenge for you guys to play. And they were like, really? Oh, you're challenging us now? I think, I think they took it as like a challenge, and, they, and, then, and then they played take 2, and I'm like, we're done. I, I never like to dwell on things. I'm not a nitpicky person when it comes to recording. If it works, it works. Uh, and I was like, well, that was great. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to hearing people's reactions for that track. This is the one track that has not been in early access at any point. Um, so the public have not heard it at any point. All of the other tracks on the soundtrack have been heard if you've got the early access version of the game. But this is one that we've held back until, until the very end. Onto the unspoken. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Virtual reality. Yes. So that probably offered up some different challenges, I would imagine. Well, the unspoken was was really. First of all, I was surprised I got the gig in the first place because I don't. I'm definitely at the time I I, I got the pitch. Uh, you know, Ori was doing quite well, and uh, I was like, really, you guys are looking for a really heavy electronic soundtrack. So I, I'm convinced they listened to the pitches blind, um, without knowing who, because I think if they, they might have had a little bit of uncertainty if they're like, really, the Ori composer does this, and is <laughs> yeah. he going to be able to do it for his uh, 60 minute, for 60 minutes, or whatever the length of the soundtrack is. Anyway, I'm really happy that they picked me, because that's actually a side of my composing that I really enjoy, is exploring the electronic realm. Um, don't get me wrong, there's worse things in life than being pigeonholed as doing fantasy music, but like, uh, that's actually how I started writing, is experimenting with electronic sounds. Uh, and so this was like the chance to, to do that with a little bit of production value and budget behind it. Now, the virtual reality element of the game, people always ask me, is it different scoring a virtual reality game? I think, in terms of my approach, no, because yes, it's virtual reality, but at its core, it's a fighting game. It's, it's like, it's, if I'm being blunt, it's like Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter. You've got, you're just one-on-one -on -one with the opposition. Yes, you're in VR, but at the end of the day, you're just trying to beat your enemy. Um, now, Insomniac had a music system, that they, quite a simple one, that, um, that made it very easy for me to structure the music. So what I would do, I'd write a really long track that like, went through the four music states and then cut it up afterwards. So the four music states were ambient, which is basically when the battle starts, um, then there's like the core battle music, um, and then there's the escalated battle music, which went towards the end of the match when it gets uh, when it gets more intense. And then there's what they what we call the, the summon. So each map has like a giant monster like embedded within within the map that you kind of have to like fight together, uh, work together to like take it out. Um, so um, so that they all have different they all have a variation on on a similar musical theme but with a different feel. So, for example, the escalated music is quite a fast tempo, and because the summon music is usually has a really big like creature, we just do the music at half time. So if the track's normally at 150 beats per minute, then the summon music is set to five. 
Um, just an example of one of these creatures, in one of the maps, is, there's a giant ferris wheel, and the ferris wheel turns into a, a mechanical spider. Like, that's, that's the kind of scale we're talking yeah. about. Uh, there's an amazing trailer for it online, which, which shows it, which I'd encourage viewers to check it out. It's the Electromancer trailer, um, and uh, yeah, that like shows one of the, the, big, the big creatures in one of the levels. Um, so that, those were the four states, and the only brief that I got from Insomniac was that it really needed to be electronic. Uh, it needed to feel like an electronic score, but it needed each character needs to have its own personality. So there are three, on, on release, there are only three character classes. The Anarchist, the Kineticist, and the Blackjack. And this, we, we want each of them to have a unique sound. Now, I didn't want to feel limited by only having an electronic sound, so what I did, I had a, I had a featured live soloist for each for each for each character. So for the Blackjack, which was a kind of a mysterious mysterious character, I got uh, Mimi Page, whose vocals are very very ethereal. Um, then for the Kineticist, uh, I got Bonnie Brooksbank, who is a really really good session violinist in Los Angeles, and she's very very good at electric violin. Um, and the Kineticist's powers are all movement based, and I wanted something that like had a bit of like felt quite nimble. Um, that's why I chose the violin, but I wanted it had to be electric violin, not regular violin. Uh, and then for the Anarchist, I got Tina Guo. Her personality fits the character of the Anarchist, and just cello is a deeper, grittier sound. And the Anarchist is all about fire uh, and destructive, destructive spells. And that is what gave the characters their personality. And then the last piece of glue that put tied everything together was having live drums on top of electronic drums. Um, having the electronic drums by themselves just kind of felt a bit static and didn't really feel, didn't, didn't make me feel anything like when I listened to the tracks. But adding the live drums just like got all of the momentum back like into the music and made it feel slightly less mechanical because we're dealing with not just an electronic world, it's magic, it's ethereal, it's kind of loose and uh, we're dealing with things that, it's like, we're dealing with the paranormal, so we're trying to kind of bend reality a little bit. And with, if the score just stayed in the electronic realm, it would have felt too rigid and having it be acoustic and like on the edge, the, the drums really felt, made it feel more alive. Yeah, that's awesome. So I think we're running out of time, so before we you finish can, up, can, I would love to carry on to be honest. <laughs> But before we finish up, can you tell us about anything you've got coming up, any projects you're working on? So, um, I've just finished uh, another bunch of music from Minecraft. They've, uh, they've uh, just they've released this new game mode called Glide. Um, there's, a new, there's a new mechanic in the game where you can fly around the levels. Um, that, that you've created, and uh, the, the glide game mode is basically they've made uh, race courses that like go through pre-designed levels, which look amazing. It's Minecraft. It looks, yeah. it, it has its own unique look, but they are very well designed and look amazing. Um, so I've done about another 50 minutes of music uh, for that. Um, I'm pretty sure there's going to be more Minecraft stuff coming. At least I hope there is, but I can't say what it is at the moment. And I, of course, I've also started work fully on uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Um, I can say hardly anything about that, but I can tell you, I can tell you that what's coming is really good. And I think I can talk about like how scared I am of what's coming because when we did the first game, 
Uh, no one knew who we were. Uh, we were all invisible. And now we've got to deal with the pressure. Like, there, there is the pressure, and because it's a sequel, it's the first time I've done a sequel, period. So that's new. Um, and the issue I'm wrestling with right now is how do I make uh, something new, but also it has to feel familiar. I am helped a little bit. If you've seen the trailer for Orion Rule of the Wisps, it's centered around a secondary character, um, the owl. Um, so I think that's going to allow me to explore a secondary theme. And hopefully I can like interweave the, that theme with, uh, with the first one. But of course, I've got a, my brief from Thomas, the director, is like, yeah, we need a theme that's as good as the one you did for the first game. Yeah, 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 so th thanks for that. Um, so that's like the first, th these are the first things I'm working on right now, establishing the, uh, the theme and then we'll be looking, I'll be looking at the beginning of the game and uh, how the beginning of the game shapes my score for the, for the rest of it. But it's still very early, but I've seen some of the work that's coming in and I'm, I, I have access to everything. Um, Do you get to play it again? I get, oh, I get to play all the prototypes. I, I have access to all the concept art, absolutely everything, which is quite unusual for composers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they give me access to everything, which means I'm like ready, uh, but I still have to figure everything out like musically. But it does make it easy when you have access yeah. to everything. So uh, yeah, I'm really excited about the stuff that I'm seeing. I, I think there's several things that don't think have been done in a 2D platformer before, but I can't say, definitely can't say any more than that. So uh, um, when when we're ready to show something, uh, uh, whenever our next trailer is, I am pretty sure it's going to to blow people away. Um, but uh, I cannot even say when that is. So, um, but, and yeah, maybe on that note we can yes, uh, on that note wrap. But thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry we didn't have more time. I'm sure we could talk for ages, but... We uh, could, yeah. <laughs> Maybe later. Yeah. Thank you again. Yeah, no worries. Thank you.